Welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 238. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to close out Voyager's sixth season with the episodes The Haunting of Deck 12 and Unimatrix Zero Part 1. Here we go. The Haunting of Deck 12, Season 6, Episode 25, Production Code 245, Original Air Date, May 17th, 2000, Directed by David Livingston, Story by Mike Sussman, Teleplay by Mike Sussman, Kenneth Biller, and Ryan Fuller, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Manu Interemi as Icheb, Marley S. McLean as Mazzotti, Kurt Weatherill as Izan, Cody Weatherill as Rebbe, Zoe McClellan as Tal Celeste, and Neil Norman as Bridge Officer. <laughs> A planned power outage causes the Borg children to wake from their regeneration cycles. Much to their surprise, Neelix is there to comfort them. The children wonder if the incident has anything to do with a highly restricted area on Deck 12. Neelix proceeds to distract them with a story they only partially believe, concerning an entity that was accidentally taken in by a Voyager. The story allegedly takes place a short period before the Borg children had come aboard the ship so they don't know if it is true or not. Was it non-corporeal? In a manner of speaking. Hostile? Well, I'm getting to that. Species 5973? Who are they? The Borg encountered them in Galactic Cluster 8. They're multi-spectrum particle life forms. Uh, No, that's not what this was. Maybe it was an interphasic species. We can either debate comparative xenobiology, or I can continue with the story. Now, it's up to you. Adam, kick us off on hunting of deck twelve. You know, I like you know I like this episode. It's a cute episode. I'm not going to go down and like put it in a top ten or twenty or anything like that. But I mean, you know, it's a it's a familiar story. You know, get around the campfire. You still you tell horror stories. You know, or scary stories to kids. That kind of thing. You know, so it's a it's a familiar kind of um, kind of story or kind of episode that you you would see across many many different genres, not just um, Star Trek. So um, you know. Neelix is very good in this, you know, he's, you know, he's, over the years, he's kind of gotten a rapport, you know, as kind of being, you know, the ambassador or the guy who kind of takes care of the children, you know, he's, you know, been taking care of Naomi Watts for a number of years and that kind of thing. So this kind of fits his character to kind of, you know, watch these kids while Voyager is um, taking care of um, this entity, if that's what's, what's really happening. So um, it's... Like I said, it's a, I, I kind of feel like it's like a cute episode. You know, you get all the kids around, the, you know, they're on the light and, you know, Deluxe has these little tricks to kind of scare them and that kind of thing. And, you know, and he's telling the story about a mission that, um, you know, that we didn't get to see as an audience. You know, this the, the storyline of the entity that they found in the, um, the nebula, that's, you know, that's kind of a pretty common storyline in Star Trek. So you kind of you get the believability of this actually happening to them. Um, so we kind of get an episode that took place years before um, told through the eyes of Neelix. So like I said, um, I, you know, I wasn't blown away by it, but um, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. And um, yeah, it was just kind of a, a cute, you know, episode that um, was, was good for Neelix and good for the, the board children. And it also kind of, it also kind of gives the writers something to do with these kids because we know they're on the, on the ship. So, that, you know, what are they doing with them? How, how are they progressing and that kind of thing? Yeah. That was the one thing that, that I enjoyed about it was an opportunity to have the kids together, but I'm not sure how much I have to say about the rest of it. Uh, Steve, your first thoughts? Yeah, I think this is kind of an unusual one because, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we're going to really have a whole lot to 
uh, talk about when we say what is this episode about. But at the same time, I think it's kind of um, it's it's almost like those rare occasions when Trek takes on like a a genre or kind of like a type of episode, right? And this episode is kind of like a the campfire fairy tale um, kind of story. And if they tried to do this all the time, it'd be problematic. But when you just have it like once and you, and I think, I think they did it well, you know, I think they, you know, this, this, um, this ghost story and uh, there's a fun dynamic with Neelix and the kids and all this kind of thing. And, and while it's not particularly deep, I, I certainly don't mind that it, that it exists. And I, I kind of enjoy it. And I, I think it's one of those rare times when, Trek just takes on, yeah, takes on like a certain type of story and it just says, let's, let's do our version of this kind of story. And and I think they, they did a pretty good job of it. And it's just kind of a fun thing. And I don't, I don't mind them giving a go at something like that once in a blue moon, you know, imagine this exact same episode, but without the, without the kid wraparounds and they would just be a straightforward, normal episode of Voyager. Do you think it would have been better or worse? Does, does the kids thing here. I think it would have been worse because I mean, it's kind of a common story theme Mm -hmm. in Star Trek. You know, you run into a, you know, an entity, you know, an alien, that kind of thing. They take over the ship, you know, that's common as, you know, genre or theme that, that runs throughout Star Trek. So I think combining this, you know, what, what Steve said, you know, combining this genre of the, the campsite, you know, you know, scary stories, makes the um, other story far more interesting than it would have been if they would have just went straight with that from the kick up. Yeah. Because I think it would have been hard to make this story anything more than average, you know, because it's, it's, we see this kind of thing before there's nothing particularly distinct about it or interesting or whatever. And, and actually it's, it's kind of clever to take something that has a bit of a, a that you could, you could interpret as kind of a, a classical scary kind of, situation you know like a unnerving almost like a ghost story and then like put it in this context you know i mean yeah i could i could see where someone could say it's almost like a cheat to put it in this kind of kind of like when you make a you just make a narrative more interesting by like changing up the chronology or putting it in a frame or something and 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 you're just doing it just to make it interesting solely and and that's kind of uh usually that's pretty transparent and you can see that but somehow somehow the the frame in which they place this and the story itself seem to complement each other pretty well. And, and again, if they did this all the time, it'd be problematic, but I, I don't have a problem with it once in a while like this. I wish that the, the main story was a little bit more interesting or unique. I agree with you guys that it's a pretty uh, run of the mill story. Having the kids as with the wraparounds uh, makes it much more interesting, but at its core, it's still pretty generic i i guess there's you know using the computer voice as its form of communication was was slightly uh, you know interesting <laughs> slightly a, a new thing but for the most part i felt a little impatient with every time it would leave the kids and go mm-hmm. to start telling the story again sure. i mean there there that's there was a scene where neelix and tuvok were in the Jeffrey's tubes, I think, and mm-hmm. and Tuvok is in kind of incapacitated and saying "go on" or something, and I'm like, man, I feel like this exact scene has been in more than one other episode. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like you, I, you could have put it in another episode and it would have just yeah. cut right in. Yep, yep. 
So I, I wonder if they wrote this episode, you know, with the entity and the nebula, and they're like, yeah, this is kind of too generic. We need to add something to it. Hey, we yeah, got these board kids. First. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we got these board kids. Let's, let's throw them in there. Yeah, we'll do the campfire. We got Neelix. Yeah, that'll spice it up a little bit. So is this episode about anything? I think the kind of the closest thing, it's, it's you know, there's camaraderie, you know, there's, um you know, our safety in numbers, you know, when you, it's what you were just talking about, our pre-show, Brian, you know, it's like, you know, being in a big, scary house, it's nice to have um, people around you. So you're not, so you feel safer and more comfortable, even though that's like, you know, basically psychologically in your head, you know, these children or Neelix, there were never any real danger, but I mean, you know, psychologically being with, um, being with friends and family, or, you know, in this case on Voyager, they're all kind of like um, their own little family being close to, you know, it helps you, you know, helps you get through scary or difficult times to having, um, having emotional and um, physical support. I'm not sure we can, you know, consider this particularly great and have it have a big moral center or something. But I, I, I think of anything, yeah, it, it's like this notion that, you know, sometimes when, when you have, you know, really uh, daunting things, things that create anxiety or scary situations, you know, turn just kind of, you know, flipping the script, changing the narrative, making it, making it a story, making it a, making it something that changing the context of the way the narrative is can help put, you know, make it n- not so scary, you know, and I think they do that with, with the way he, he tells the kids this story that essentially we're gathering it's a true story, but they don't really believe it or he makes it seem like it's not. So, you know, I, I don't know if they really succeed in some kind of grand thing, but I think it's, it's certainly a unique episode. And yeah. Sounds like Steve and I liked it more than you, Brian. <laughs> I did not dislike it. I like the kids. I like, I think their writing and their is clever and their performances are very good. Yeah. Would you have preferred maybe something more in the moment, like the story kind of playing out more in the present with what they were doing or does it, does it really matter? No, I just wanted, I just wanted the flashback story to be a or little bit more interesting. I wanted to find myself excited to go back to it every time rather than the opposite, which was, gotcha. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that stuff is fine, and, and the kid stuff is good, so it balances out positively, I think. All right, let's do six degrees for the hunting of deck 12. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I guess I'll go first. Major Barrett gives a more significant performance than usual as the voice of the computer. Name the two Trek features in which she appears as Nurse Chapel. Um, motion picture and... yes. I feel like I'm going to get this wrong. Would it be... How many just go Rathacon? No. Steve, you know what the other one was? Hmm. I was waffling on it, trying to remember. Yeah. I feel like uh, you're going to get it. Gosh, is it four? Yep, it was four. Yep, that's what I thought. I don't know how to give points on that. Would you have gotten motion picture, Steve? I'm not 100% sure. All right. You, you both get a point. <laughs> Yay. Oh, yeah. we, we both get a half point. Just put the point. Okay, <laughs> half point. Uh, Steve, name mm-hmm. the final Trek feature in which she provided the computer voice. Hmm, okay. <laughs> if you remember when she died, you can probably figure this one out. Yeah, yeah. Was it the 2009 Star Trek? Yes, sir, it was. Okay. Uh, Adam has half and Steve has one and a half. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever done a half point. Yeah, <laughs> nope, never done that. 
Unimetric Zero, Part 1, Season 6, Episode 26, Production Code 246, Original Air Date, May 24, 2000, Directed by Alan Croker, Story by Mike Sussman, Teleplay by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast includes Susanna Thompson as Borg Queen, Mark Beacons as Axum, Jerome Butler as General Korok, Joanna Heimbald as Laura, Ryan Sparks as Alien Child, Tony Sears as Borg Drone, Andrew Palmer as Errant Drone, and Clay Storthus as Alien Man. Seven of Nine dreams of a beautiful forest. However, she finds that the forest in her dream is a real subconscious realm, inhabited by the minds of certain Borg Drones during regeneration periods. In the surreal utopia, Unimatrix Zero, Borg of various species and ages from throughout the massive geography of the collective exist as their individual unassimilated selves and interact with each one another. The Borg Queen knows about Unimatrix Zero, considering it a disease and destroys drones discovered capable of visiting it. Come with me. I'm regenerating. This is only a dream. You're not dreaming. I brought you here. This is Unimatrix Zero. Steve, kick us off on Unimatrix Zero Part 1. Yeah, so, you know, honestly, uh, some of these uh, Borg episodes, even some of these Borg two-parter episodes in Voyager, I get mixed up until I start seeing the episode and see where they're going with it. Um, because they kind of, they kind of, there's a number of them, you know, uh, including like the finale and this and, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, I mean, I think it's fine. It's just, it's kind of the same kind of thing. Like it's the, it's the action cliffhanger, um, big thing they're going to do and, you know, for Voyager and the Borg and so on and so forth. I, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's kind of formulaic. Um, there's certain, there's certain beats that it hits and it, it you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the consequences are huge. There's a lot of action and they have the big plan and, oh, shocker, they're turned into Borg. I wonder if they're ever going to get turned back, you know, it, it, this kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? So it's, um, I, I certainly remember it as it went, as it, as it, uh, progressed and so forth. And I, I don't, I, I like it fine. It, there's certainly some action and it's entertaining and so on. I do think, also think it's kind of, it seems a bit reactionary, almost like to the matrix. I couldn't help but think how the matrix took place, you know, in the year prior to this episode coming out and this whole notion of being, you know, having a existence and in, in, in your visual appearance and how you want to appear being a certain way. And, but you're not really there. All it's this kind of thing. in the name of the episode. <laughs> right. Oh, sure. Yeah. There you go. Um, so anyway, th- that, those are, those are my initial thoughts on it. Adam. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way as Steve. Um, I didn't. Don't get me wrong. I didn't dislike this episode. It's it's entertaining, you know. And like Stephen said, it hits these beats, you know, these rhythmic beats throughout, you know, of you know storytelling, you know, conflict and drama and you know that kind of thing. Um, but I would say, you know, there's nothing really particularly original about it, and um, you know, it's. It, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I guess it's kind of hard for me to kind of describe that. I just kind of, I finished this episode going, okay, yeah, we have the, you know, the big cliffhanger, you know, now they're Borg, um, that kind of thing. Um, I kind of, I kind of remember the Borg, you know, you know, like something like the really last time that um, we kind of saw the Borg, we saw the Borg queen was um, obviously in first contact. And that's kind of where we got our, you know, our kind of our first impressions of, of her and, um, 
you know, in, in a weird way, it was kind of, a, it, was, it was a mysterious character that we didn't really know much about. And even at the end of first contact, we didn't really know much about her. We didn't know how she did the things she, that she did. Um, and I'm kind of thinking this, they've kind of, kind of taken that, some of that allure away where she's just kind of more like a, a petty ruler, like, oh, well, these guys are doing this thing and now I'm going to punish them and I'm going to, you know, try to coerce Voyager into doing what I want to do and then I'll let them get home. So, I mean, I think she kind of, I think they kind of, I don't know, just kind of one-dimensionalize her a little bit. And um, I think that's kind of what disappointed me about this episode. I would have preferred a little bit more um, intrigue and mystery um, surrounding what's going on in this Matrix. I mean, I, first of all, you know, you know, Seven, she goes there and then we see her one other time and then the next thing, she's Annika. You know, there's not really a a, a, a dev- developing progression of... Um, you know, yeah, for, for an episode better. that is a part one of a two-parter, yeah, they sure seem to to uh, they be rush in a hurry into that really quick, yeah, rushing, yeah. And I would have preferred, you know, a little bit more of that. I mean, like, because you know, she was there for you know, what 18, 20 years, you know, for quite a while, and you know, she had a lot of, um, you know, relationships with these people in here, and they, like I said, they kind of gloss over that, and like I said, they go to the. I would have, I would have. Let, let me put it this way: I would have preferred less queen, make the queen more mysterious and, you know, ambiguous. I, I kind of like the board queen that way, because when you kind of start explaining, you know, it's kind of like going behind the curtain when you kind of start explaining, you know, what she is and how she does and how she interacts. It kind of, to me, it kind of, it kind of just ruins it. So I would have preferred a lot more about this Unimatrix, at least in this episode. Um, obviously we'll get into part two, you know, in a couple of weeks, but at least in this episode, I would have preferred a little bit more focus on seven of nine and this Unimatrix and what she was there and, and her relationships. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that I like about this episode. Um, this, this is one of those episodes, those weird ones, right? Where, where I try to imagine the director prepping the actor. If the actor doesn't know anything about Star Trek. Right? Can you imagine that? <laughs> okay, so so you're playing this character who's actually a Borg. Okay, Borg are these these automaton things that don't really have consciousness, and, but they are controlled by this queen. But you're you're that person who's actually an alien, by the way, not human, but asleep. And when you're asleep, you live live a separate life, which is actually a memory of the life before you were assimilated. Oh, that's what it went. I mean, can you imagine that? If you just, I don't know how they even do that. It's just nuts. Like you would have to and action, <laughs> right. right? Like what? What kind of prep do you have to have to be? <laughs> Well, well, Steve, well, you guys mentioned The Matrix. I kind of, the first thought I have was uh, more Inception. I mean, obviously Inception came out many years later, but I'm like, oh, you dream to live type thing. That's kind of like the Inception concept. But go well, my, my point is, I, this is the thing I kind of like about this episode. I kind of like how baddie the concept is in the story. And yes, right, right. definitely, it's obviously influenced by The Matrix. But still, you know, just imagine that there's this... The, there's this tiny percentage of Borg that when they're asleep, they can live this separate life. They don't remember when they wake up. I mean, it's so, it's so sci-fi in the weeds. And I, I like that part of it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like that aspect of it a lot. And I think that it's, it's easy to kind of forget about, I don't know, the novelty of that just because we've been with this for 20 years or something and seen this episode many times or whatever. 
Um, but especially at the time, I mean, it was, you know, it was a, a new take, a, a new way to get into a Borg story. Uh, you know, Voyager went to the Borg well one too many times. No doubt about that. Uh, and some of those times it was, they were always trying to come up with some interesting, you know, new story for them. But there were times when, when, when I would think, all right, this story is not worth, uh, revisiting the Borg, you know, but here, I think they found one here. I think they found something new and unique that we hadn't seen before that made it worth a trip to the Borg story-wise. So, I like it. I think maybe, maybe you know, maybe we'll think differently after we watch part two in a couple of weeks. But, you know, I wonder if instead of turning this into the big season finale with the board Queen and stuff, if it had been just a regular hour episode without the board Queen, you know, I don't know. Maybe that could have been. Or maybe something that just continues later, you know, like they just, okay, they're, they're yeah. they this kind of... Let's exist, and then we'll deal with it later. Probably. Yeah, maybe it comes back, you know, whatever. Um, it, I mean, it does seem kind of... There, there are... When it's not a great episode, when it's a, only a solid episode, is when we've talked about this, when we start noticing things, it's really absurd that Janeway is going on this away mission. Yeah, It's yeah. even more absurd that they would pick a ship that even seven is immediately like, Oh no, no, no. That's basically a battleship. Don't go to that one. Yeah. I'm like, Nope, we're going to that one. Cause it's closest. And we go, wait, what? Uh-huh. I mean, you really kind of defang the Borg at this point. Mm-hmm. Cause can you imagine in say next gen, the enterprise D going anywhere near like, no, there's a Borg ship. We are going the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. If we have to find one, we're not going to take on the battleshipy one. I mean, it's like, you know, and now Voyager is so confident that, yeah, we're just going to take on the, the battleship one. It's fine. It's fine. We're just, they're close. Let's just go. And it just, and, it, and I know it's for the sake of the action and the cliffhanger and all that, but it just reinforces the kind of questionable decision-making, I think, of Janeway sometimes. You know, it's like, why are we doing this now? It's like these huge risks just because, uh, well, we're going to do this now. You know, it, it, that's what it comes across as sometimes. Yeah, and I like how they, you know, they re- even revisited that, you know, because between her and Chakotay, they've been ha- they've had dis- big disagreements on the board yeah, in the yeah. past, and then they're like, "Well, you know, now I'm on board. I'm on board with this. Probably the craziest of ideas that you've presented about the board. I'm, I'm good with this one." Interesting character stuff there with uh, Seven slash Annika having this romantic history. She's obviously very uncomfortable with that, but I like I like that. I like that uh, it was subtle, um, but it was worthwhile. Poor Kim, he just can't get a break. Um, even Paris has got his Lieutenant Pip back now. And <laughs> I like how they have that have Kim say that, you know, because it is yeah. preposterous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't understand the, the the reasoning for that. I mean, they could have just stayed or, you know, like, it seemed kind of forced. I mean, he's, he's been on the bridge for six years. Probably, probably should have gotten that Pip. Is this episode about anything? You know, because it's a part one, and I'm assuming, you know, that both episodes are kind of intermixed together. I think what they're kind of kind of trying to say here with the, with the Unimatrix, you know, it's like um, you can always, you can always kind of go back to yourself no matter what terrible situation that you're in. And that might be kind of a stretch for me, even um, 
But I mean, you know, because you, so you have all these Borg drones, you know, and they have this genetic, you know, gene that allows them to kind of just exist as um, who they are and who they were really meant to be. Like I said, are, are they trying to say, you know, no matter how bad things get, you can always return to yourself. You can always, you know, rely on yourself and who you are as a person to get you through um, tough times. I don't know if that's what they're trying to say, um, but it's kind of what I took away from it. Let's see if Steve has. Steve's far more in, intelligent and eloquent on these subjects, uh, so he'll probably have um, even better <laughs> explanation. <laughs> well, I, I think I think what's what's kind of the pattern is anytime we have um, an actiony cliffhanger two-part you know kind of episode the 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 kind of what's it about often takes a back seat not only because it's there are two stories there are two parts which are written separately um but also that that's not really what they're focusing on they're trying to just create a lot of attention and action and so on but but yeah if anything there um it, it, there's this there's notion of is is this kind of you know this is a this is a virtual world essentially and and this idea of is, is it worth saving is it worth fighting for and and there is an idea of is there maybe a strategic advantage of keeping this alive to thwart the Borg and they do go through with that but I think the the bigger issue is is it worth it simply because of the existence of a, of this you know world where Borg get to be individuals and exist there even if it's not even physically a reality you know and so i think that's interesting i don't know if they explore that whole idea very much you know of the risks they're taking to to keep this world alive and so on but you know to me that's kind of the, the center of the episode let's do six degrees for unimatrix zero part one adam has half a point and steve has one and a half points steve are you going first or second i'll go first Mark Deakins plays Axum, Seven's old boyfriend in Unimatrix Zero. In which Trek feature did he play a Baku? Mm, guess it'd be Insurrection. Yep, couldn't have made that any easier. He also played, Adam, he also played a Beta Herogen in Voyager's two-parter, The Killing Game. What season was that? That's the one with the Nazi things and um, sort of things. Season five? No. Steve? Four? Yeah. All right. Hey, I didn't get shut out. It's all good. <laughs> you didn't get, that's right. You did not get shut out. No, I knew it. Yeah, it was 50. Uh, yeah, my 50 50s today were not good for me because I'm like, okay, it's either four or five. Or last <laughs> it's either Star Trek four or it's. Um, yeah, that's true. Both times it was four. It was Star Trek four, then it was <laughs> season <laughs> four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I should have recognized that sooner. Go with four. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was a, a little show last week. Some of you may have watched. And uh, I watched it and I liked it. And I'm excited to see the the rest of the, of the first season of Picard. Um, I also watched all of the shorts, the new shorts. A couple of those are really good. I think I liked them overall. I think I might. I think I liked them more than the first batch of shorts, actually. So hey, when's um? I really want. I really want a Pike show with Anson Mount and all of them. God, wouldn't that be so mm -hmm. great, man? Yep, yep, yep. Wow. So have they announced um, when season three of Discovery is coming out? Well, it's in the can, so... You would think they would bust it out right after Picard to keep 
subscribers going. I think they would like to do that, but I don't think it's, I don't think the post is going to be done in time. My guess is, my guess is the fall, but I mean, if it was going to be May or June, I think they would have already announced it. Right. So it, I mean, it's, it's probably the fall that, I mean, that, that would be a normal one year break, you know, between, cause right. Didn't season two premiere lab, um, I thought it was like this time last year. It was. Okay. It was more like this time. I mean, but I but I think, yeah, I think they're trying to just shorten the breaks, you know, but probably all the, they won't have anything else to show except maybe some more short treks. So I agree. You know, I'm guessing they'll make it fallish. And by the time when they start having miniseries or that animated thing and all that, then we'll start seeing where there's very little breaks. I yeah. think that'll so, be next year. Yeah. So is a season two of Picard been Relighted or yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. They made that official a few days before season one premiered. I d- I dug it a lot too. I watched it and I real I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we're not gonna get into it at all because of spoilers and stuff. But I did want to at least say. Um, I mean, I was. I mean, I I was pretty darn excited. Mm-hmm. My level of excitement was pretty high. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's 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 good. Oh, I agree. Hey, Brian, just on Christopher Pike, um, you know, so I, you know, you got, I told you guys I'd, I'd seen season two of Discovery so far, and that was, I really enjoyed season two a lot more than the first season. I didn't dislike the first season, but I mean, I thought season two. Yeah, I think we probably improved. would agree with that. Uh, Although, but yeah, Christopher at Pike. At the end looked, of season two, it starts to feel a little bit like some of the stuff in season one that was fine, but not as great as the, like the first half of season two is, is the show that I want them to make. Right. Right. But. But Pike was but yeah. strong. Portion. Right, and uh, and like two of the short treks are on the Enterprise, like Captain Pike sort of things. Well, I guess he's not the the lead, but yeah. So no, I, I, I just even just the look of it, like it's it's bright, you know, it's colorful, it's positive, it feels good. Yeah, I like Anson what they do. Mount is perfect. I, I, really, I think he's the best Pike we've ever seen, for sure. and. And I really love what they did with the Enterprise. They didn't really change. They just kind of hot rided it up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously the modern and and JJ type stuff, but but it's just, but it's the look and feel of the you know the six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's the right balance, you know. So, boy, I sure would love that. Um, I mean, they they're hinting around about it, so I mean, it's a possibility, but who knows? All right, folks. So that does it for season six of Voyager. Um, I don't, I don't think we need to do like a seasonal recap, but overall it was, it was a solid season. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Let's see. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. We're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the first three episodes of Voyager's seventh season. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
Stefan, I passed it.